let's continue our series on the controversial Jesus. Jason has talked to us about tolerance in week one, sexuality on week two. Last week was sowing, and this week it's about steps. And I think you and I would both agree that when we look at all the young people in the services today that were baptized in water, the church's brightest days are ahead of it. As the world gets darker, we begin to shine even more brightly. And that's what makes it a wonderful time for us as followers of Jesus. We're going to have to do something differently, though. We're going to have to learn to love, to lead, and to live in a way that best reflects who Jesus Christ is so that this generation has the opportunity to receive everything that they need to receive into their hearts and their lives to be able to say yes in following Him. When we say different, we don't mean better. We simply mean that we're reflecting what Jesus has to say about what we believe and what, how we behave. It's one thing to say, I believe here, but it have no effect on your heart and on your steps in terms of where your life goes. But when your head and your heart line up, then your life is aligned. Your life is in that proper order that God wants it to be in so that you can best reflect the character of Jesus Christ. When the Bible talks about being conformed to the image of Christ, it means being conformed to His character so that your mind gets renewed by the Word of God, your heart gets filled with the Holy Spirit, and your life then begins to reflect all of those things that He wants for the world to see in you because He's in the business of transforming lives. When you come to faith in Christ, you're not the same person anymore. Old things are passed away and everything becomes new. And we'll do an illustration at the end that will best reflect that. And so, for all of us, we want to be able to keep moving forward. There are four steps in a, in a proverb that we're going to look at today in Proverbs chapter 3 and verses 5 through 8 that will enable us to live a life far from ordinary, an unordinary life a peculiar life, a life that reflects a different theology, a different ideology, a different understanding to the culture all around us. Now, keep in mind, we're talking about the kingdom of God. We're talking about the Word of God. We're talking about spiritual things in here. When you walk out the doors into your day-to-day -day life, you will not use the same language because the culture doesn't understand it. In other words, we speak a certain language that we all understand. We like the terminology, but the culture doesn't understand us. So we have to learn to build bridges to the culture, especially when people are searching so that we can help them. Jesus made a wonderful statement one day, and he said, let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. That's in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 37. He was saying that when you're about to answer what you do is you go through machinations in your own mind and in your own heart. Uh, you want to say what the person wants you to hear. You ever watch a politician have a, a moment when the reporter puts the microphone up to his or her mouth and have to give an answer, and you see the wheels turning? Uh, they're going to reflect the party, going to reflect the political correctness, going to reflect the day in which we live. And in other words, Jesus is saying when you do that, you're not being honest. And so let your yes be yes and your no be no. And uh, we'll see that as it unfolds through this talk today. In Proverbs chapter 3, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. 
Trust is the first step that we learn to take. The people that went in the baptismal tank today, they're taking a step forward in their walk with Jesus to say, I want to go from a private belief now to a public declaration. Scripture says, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. So in how many ways? In all our ways. So the things of the kingdom of God will affect every aspect of your life. Not just an hour and a half or so on a Sunday morning in a church service, but they'll affect everything that you do. All aspects of your life will be affected when you say yes to Jesus. And then it says it will bring healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Let me give you a practical and personal application of this. When I was diagnosed with cancer the first time, I've been diagnosed twice now, uh, Joyce and I faced some challenges. I learned about trust in a whole new way. As I sat in the doctor's office and the surgeon explained in graphic detail what he was going to do. How many know when you listen to what that means, it can create some fear and uncertainty in your own heart? Uh, it'll be followed, he said, by 33 post-op radiation treatment, and uh, we will scorch your body inside. Well, thank you very much. But what Proverbs 3 said to us, not only do we have to trust, but if we don't lean to our own understanding and we acknowledge you in all your ways, Lord, that it will be healing and refreshment, especially to my bones where the cancer was heading. So how many know God's Word is relevant? It speaks to the issues of your life and my life. No matter what you're going through, you will find something in God's Word that will help you to be able to say, Lord, I need your assistance here. I need your guidance. I need your wisdom. I need comfort. Because there are so many things that go on in all of our lives where it kind of takes our, our breath away. So what I said was, Lord, what step do I need to take in this? And I had a prompting in my own heart that you're going to have 33 consecutive days of treatment and I want you to find 33 healing scriptures, 33 comforting scriptures, 33 promises in my word that will assist you as you go through this process. And so every time I would head to the hospital to get my radiation treatment, you know what the hardest part of that whole radiation experience was? Holding your bladder they would tell you to fill your bladder and don't empty it. So, you know, I'm at that age where, not as strong as I used to be, and I'd go through the tube, and I'd say to him, Jesus, hold my bladder tight. <laughs> Jesus. Because he made a promise to me. He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. If I ever needed you, Jesus, I need you now. <laughs> And one of the very first scriptures that I went to was Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. It says, the word of God is living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. And I said, Lord, that's going to be one of my premier scriptures because 
that radiation is going to my joints and my marrow. And it's trying to do its work, but your word is doing a better work. And I'm going to trust that as good as radiation is, your word is even better. And so medicine and things of the kingdom are not in conflict with one another unless they're in conflict with God's word in some point. And when a doctor is skilled and trained and he wants to help or she wants to help, then everything in you is to cooperate with the process. And so my first step then was to turn my face to the Lord and to understand ultimately he's the one that holds my life in his hands. Did I pray for the medical team? Absolutely I did. In fact, in my second journey through cancer, when the doctor came in in the morning and I was sitting in the gurney ready to go down the operating room, my first question to him was, did you have a good sleep last night? <laughs> I don't want you tired. I don't want your hands shaky. Did you have? He said, I had the best sleep of my life. Thank you very much. I'm confident now. But what I said to the medical community is that I come from a church that values prayer. And they're not only praying for me, they're praying for you. And right now, I was sitting on one of the benches before they laid me back down again. It's an interesting thing. They're putting a spinal tap in me. And as they're doing it, I said to the nurse, did you know that people at the Life Center? And she said, where is it? I said, you know where the prison is on Ennis Road? She said, yep. I said, right next door that people are praying there right now for all of you in this room and for me. And she kind of went, oh, that's nice. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, if you were on this end of the journey, you'd say that's really nice. <laughs> and so informing them that we're a people of prayer takes courage when they're going to put you asleep. <laughs> but not every step that we take uh, is equal weight but it is of equal significance. A step to spend your life with someone is different than a step to go on a date. But both of those steps are significant. A powerful lie we encounter is a single step is an insignificant step. How many have kids? Do you remember when your little one was crawling and then one day was standing on the side of the couch looking and the little feet were starting to go? And then all of a sudden, that foot came out, hit the ground, and what did you do? You screamed. My little baby's walking right now. But how many know that's the first step of many steps that that child will take throughout their lifetime? So it is a significant step. It's a first step. But then there are going to be following steps that will take place. And we had a young man that was part of Life Center many years ago, was a pilot, and he used to fly VIPs around Canada, dignitaries from other nations that would come. And one day he was over at Place d'Orleans, and uh, it wasn't very full, there were hardly anybody there, and he felt a prompting to run up the down escalator. I'm glad he wasn't prompted in the cockpit to do something like that. But pilots usually work on a checklist, and they don't vary from the checklist. But he was just going through them all, a new believer, loving the Lord, enjoying the work of God in his heart, and he looked at the down escalator, and he started running up. And somehow, when you take those kind of steps, something inside you says, there's got to be a lesson here. 
I can't just be running up the down escalator or they're going to escort me out of the mall. And when he got to the top and he kind of said, Lord, I, I, I felt you prompt me to run up the down escalator. What's the lesson? And you notice that when you're running, <clears throat> when you're running up, you have to be a little faster than the escalator. And he said, here's the lesson, son. There is no neutral in my kingdom. You are either going forward or you're going backward. There's no place where you're just neutral, where nothing's happening. You will always go forward in me or you'll go backward in me. And so your first step towards Jesus, it enabled you to enjoy the freedom that only he can give you learn to live now a more generous life along with other people. You experience some breakthroughs. You heard it in the testimonies of those going through water baptism. And you also encountered something that you never knew existed before. And that's called spiritual warfare. Because when you were living for yourself... You did whatever you wanted to do, whenever you wanted to do it, however you wanted to do it, and you didn't care about anything or anybody else. When temptation came, you just yielded to it. And now you come to this place where you take another step, and you begin to follow Jesus, and all of a sudden, the things that you used to do, the things that you wanted to do, He changes your want to. He changes your desires. And you find yourself now going a little bit against the grain. And all of a sudden, there's all this pressure that you're starting to feel as God wants to grow you up. And it's a challenge. And as you continue on in your journey with Jesus, there are following steps that come. Uh, if anyone ever told you, give your life to Jesus and everything will be easy, they lied. Because what will follow your life and my life are moments of disappointment failure, tough seasons in your life, but they'll also bring incredible spiritual resistance as the devil tries to discourage you and tempt you to quit following God. You see, spiritual warfare is very, very real in this life. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. And so, for me, I gave my life to Christ when I was 28 years old. Joyce and I had been separated. God put us back together again. Both of us were working in government, loved our jobs, trained in college to do what I was doing. I was in the publishing industry, absolutely loved it. And as we continued to walk with the Lord, we found some things going on in our hearts where we wanted to invest our lives in things that were eternal, but we didn't know how to do that. So let me give you an example of a prayer step that we would have taken in our younger days as believers and that it's a prayer step that we would continue to take today because in light of eternity, I'm still really, really young. Here's a prayer that I would pray. Jesus, I trust you with all my heart. I declare that you are Jehovah Jireh to me and to my house as well as Jehovah Shammah, my healer. Your love for me never fails, and it remains constant throughout all the days of my life. I affirm today, Lord, that your plan for my life is greater than my plan for my life. Amen. 
And how many know when you take a step and you begin to pray that kind of prayer, it does something on the inside of you? It strengthens you. It, it solidifies your commitment to what it is you're doing as you live your life out. And so there are prayer steps. There are scripture steps, steps that move us upward in God as we read his word, steps that move us away from things that would be uh, co contradict our testimony as we serve the Lord, uh, scriptures that will move us out of things that we shouldn't be involved in, and scriptures that help us to act right day in, day out in the situations that we face. One of my favorites is Galatians 5.25. It says, if we live by the Spirit, let's also keep in step with the Spirit. Everybody say that. Keep in step with the Spirit. And so it's a learning process to be able to see how God speaks very uniquely to your life. He knows what it is He wants to do in you, what you're called to do, what His plan is, and He begins to lead and to guide your life through all the things that you go through. I talked with someone at the end of the first service, and I said to him, you know, God never wastes anything in our lives. No matter what you've gone through, no matter how horrendous or bad or awful it is, because for Joyce and I, when we look back over our life and we think of all the things that led up to the demise of our marriage and when we were separated and all the stuff we went through, that God has used every one of those moments to show us not only He's merciful, not only that He provides second chances, but that He's for us, not against us, and that He doesn't waste anything that I'll be in a conversation with someone and they'll say something and I'll remember what it was like going through that and you're able then to help them in their journey. God is good and He cares about us and loves us and works within us. Proverbs 3 says, In all your ways acknowledge Him and He'll make your path straight. In all your ways, not just some of your ways, but all of your ways. I remember when Joyce and I were separated. I had just come to faith in Christ, and I was on my motorcycle, and I was coming from Cornwall to Ottawa, and I was doing about 160 on my motorcycle. And I had this thought, what if your tire blew? Well, I guess I'd come to see you. It's not time. So what the Lord was saying, if you're following me, you also follow the laws of the land. I thought, that's not fair, because there's no cops around, and I want to enjoy my bike today and just go. Then I thought to myself, well, if he's saying to me, in all your ways, <laughs> acknowledge me, and I'll make your path straight, then even in how I drive, it's affecting me. I can't just drive the way I used to drive, because I ain't like I used to be. I'm a new creation in Christ. And so following the rules and the regulations of the land that I live in are very important. And so that became a lesson for me to try and drive the speed limit. <laughs> I drive a Subaru WRX, and I know a lot of young people look over at me and they go, what a waste. <laughs> what a waste. I've had just two speeding tickets in four years with that car, just two. But they have hurt me financially. I've lost a lot of points. And I've, 
even had my Bible open on my passenger seat <laughs> when the policeman stuck his head in the window. And where are we going today? <laughs> I guess I'm going to the bank to get some money then. <laughs> and I thanked him for doing his job, and I blessed him as he left. Bless him, Jesus. Because how many know that you watch it in, in any sport, you get put in the penalty box and you yell and scream and slash and bang, but you know you're wrong. And I knew I was wrong. In fact, that one speeding ticket that I got the first time was an OPP, and I was passing a car, and I really hit it. So I'm flying past, and I look in the distance, and I see the lights come on on a car that's on the side of the road. I laugh, then I cry, and I pull over to the side of the road, and when the policeman comes up, he's smiling. And he says, I guess you saw my lights come on. <laughs> yep. And I guess you know what you were doing. Yep. And I was hoping he would reduce <laughs> the amount that I was traveling. But he said, we're on a program right now to make sure that speeders understand the danger of what they're doing and putting other people's lives in jeopardy. Yes, sir. And he wrote the ticket out. And then I thought, how do I talk to Joyce about this? <laughs> What's my insurance going to say? You know, the stuff that you go through, and then the Lord speaks to your heart. Why don't you just drive the speed limit? <laughs> yep. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your straight path for you. All of those things are about character. They're all about you not making an exception for you. They're about you recognizing that we're all on the same journey being conformed to the image of Jesus, being conformed in our character so that we reflect him in everything that we do. And in the life of Jesus, there was never a sin, not one, because he's God manifest in the flesh. And so in him is his desire to please his Father every single day. And we need to live with that kind of an attitude inside our hearts that he is with us all the time. And so we've got to be careful. You know, when I ride my motorcycle, I try to stay right on the line and be very circumspect with all of that. And then I hear these comments, well, you know, if you speed, your guardian angel gets off. <laughs> really? He gets off. At what speed does he get off? <laughs> he knows the speed limit? Wow, I'm impressed. But you start to see that he's involved in every dimension and every aspect of your life, and he's challenging you that when you take steps every single day, that those are steps towards becoming more like Him. And that's the call that we have on our lives. And so we're to live privately and publicly according to our beliefs and then that our behavior reflects our beliefs. Paul said this to the folks at Philippi, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, that's the beginning stage, will bring it to completion on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. So God is going to be at work in your life and in my life and in the life of His church in every generation until Jesus returns. And He is going to return. And so there's this process going on all the time. 
He gives us directional steps. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. The Scripture tells us. So the fear of God then becomes a motivator to us. It's not a cowering kind of fear, but it is an awe. It's a respect. It's an honor that you represent Him in your generation. And so whether you're with your friends or your family, you're at your workplace, at school, whatever you do, you represent Him. You're His ambassador. And so you want to reflect Him well. I'm going to do something now as I close the service off that I hope will be helpful. I need about 30 people to join me on the platform just over here. If you're sitting there going, I wonder if that means me. If you're one of the 30, please come up. Just any 30. Just come on up on the platform. All ages, all backgrounds, just come up and just stand as a group, all in here facing me, okay, over this way. Come on up, guys. About 30 people. Got to move this just a little bit out of the light. Hey, what a good-looking group. Jesus is controversial. When he says, let your yes be yes and your no be no, otherwise it's evil, what he's saying to us is, your motivations have to be in check. You don't have to live fearing man. You have to live honoring God. So that means when someone asks you to do something that you know is contrary to his will and his word, you're, you learn to say no. And you say it confidently. You say it with authenticity. You don't shy away from it. You're able to say no. And then there are things that you can say yes to that are just as easy as that. So here's what he says in Matthew 7. I want you to enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So you've got a wide gate, a narrow gate. Wide road, narrow road. Easy road, hard road. And God calls us as people to step off the wide road onto the narrow road. In other words, because God loves you, he is constantly speaking to your heart to draw you to himself. But we have our life to live, we're busy, we're active, we're involved in so many things, and sometimes we don't hear that still small voice. We don't listen to the promptings that are going on. We're just busy about our life, and he's constantly trying to get our attention. And the reason that the road that you're on is easy is because you don't know anything about spiritual warfare when you're on the, this road because you're just doing your life your way. You don't have to be concerned about what other people think. You just live your life. Do your thing. But then there comes a day where something happens in your heart and you come to a point where you realize, hmm, 
I don't want to live like this anymore. There's got to be something more in my life. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I don't want you to give me any opportunity to get through you. In other words, don't move when I want to walk through you. Just stay in your place. I'll push you out of the way. But just, <laughs> you know, let me come through. But technically, and you can come with me, let's just walk just slowly forward together, all of us. So we're all walking in life like this, and then one day I sense the Lord speaking to my heart to say, Barry, you're depressed, you're discouraged, your marriage, your life, everything's a mess. What you built has crashed. How about trying my way? And I say yes to Jesus. That's called repentance. So here's what happens when I say yes to Jesus. I turn around 180 degrees. I'm going now in a different direction than the whole of culture. My family, my friends, their beliefs, their behavior, all the stuff that I used to do that I really enjoyed, suddenly now God has changed my want to, and I don't want to do that anymore. I want to do what He wants me to do. And so because I have made a 180-degree turn, and I'm going upstream rather than downstream. You've all seen the salmon trying to do that. How many know this is easy? This, what I'm doing now, is going to be hard. Because all of a sudden, I'm going to have friends that say, how come you're not running with us anymore? How come you're not smoking up with us anymore? How come you're not drinking with us anymore? How come you're not running around with us anymore? And all of a sudden, I find this is spiritual warfare. And the Lord says, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Do you want me in your life? Yes, Lord, I want you in my life. Well, then you're going to have to walk differently than you walked before. You're going to be walking against everything that's going on in culture. All the things you're hearing on television, all the things you're hearing in culture, all of those things, when you line them up with the Word of God, they're contrary to the kingdom of God. And so you're no longer, quote, a citizen of this world, you're a citizen of the kingdom. You serve another king. And so you wonder why these things, come on, Ruth, let me in. <laughs> you wonder why these things that you're pushing against every day, and you think, this is a battle. And then he said, but I'll equip you. I'll give you a helmet of salvation. I'll give you a shield of faith. I'll give you a breastplate of righteousness. I'll give you shoes that are prepared for the gospel of peace. In other words, I'll be in you, on you, over you, and through you, no matter what you face every day. And so you see now that why there's spiritual warfare. There was none when I was serving myself. But all of a sudden now, it becomes very real. And things that I wanted to release out of my life, I understood they had such a grip on my heart. And I didn't realize how strong they were. And so then the Lord would say, why don't you come to me? Trust me. Come in prayer. Acknowledge me in all your ways. Barry, if your yes is yes, I'll empower you. But don't say yes and then say no. Say yes and trust me. And so 40 years later, I want you to know that he put our lives back together again. He caused us to work in the hearts and lives of both of our children to say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. 
I had family members tell me this is just a, a fad. Well, it's a 40-year fad. <laughs> when I was teaching, amen. When I was teaching karate, six years involved in karate, black belt, had a ball, loved every minute of it, and the Lord said, you're going to trade your black belt in now for a white belt because the weapons of your warfare are no longer carnal, the spiritual, to the pulling down of those strongholds. Um, let me just finish with this. I was in a service where a pastor was attacked by someone in the congregation, and the person had the pastor by the throat up against the wall. And my dad and I were sitting together in the service, and I looked at my dad, and I said, let's go help the pastor. I'll clock him, and then you can, you know, do what you need to do. <laughs> we ran up. As soon as we got there, we heard growling. And we saw the veins in the man's neck that was holding the pastor popping out. And I thought, hmm, black belt's not going to do very much now because this is a demon-possessed man doing something supernaturally crazy. I hear another pastor in the congregation come up behind me, and he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, loose him. And all of a sudden, the pastor came down off the wall, and the man let him go. I said, well, I guess God doesn't need my black belt. <laughs> <laughs> the lesson at that moment was, Barry, your weapons are no longer carnal, but they're spiritual because there are spiritual things going on that blind the minds of people, cause their hearts and their understanding to be dull, move them towards something physically that will destroy them, and God wants to empower you and strengthen you and heal you and bless you and honor you and favor you and do the things that only He can do in your heart and in your life. And so when you say yes to Him, understand there's a war that comes. But the devil wants you to quit the fight. And Jesus wants you to fight the good fight of faith every single day in every situation. Amen. Let's give these guys a hand. Thank you. Thank you. So as we finish, the Scriptures tell us, draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. The message says it this way. Let God work His will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil. Watch him scamper. Say a quiet yes to God, and He'll be there in no time to live an unordinary life. Takes a step to say yes to Jesus and then to keep saying yes to Jesus as He grows Himself up inside of you and that your beliefs and your behavior reflect his character. You will have to say no on certain things along this narrow road that will be tough, but God's Word will give you the confidence that you need to do what you need to do in your particular situation. And be alert that in every step that you take, God will be there for you, supporting you, strengthening you, and calling you to Himself. And that's the controversy of serving Jesus. Can I help you? There's probably a lot of you that suffer with 
God is this big ogre in the sky, and when I do something wrong, He's going to bash me. He's a loving Father who cares for you, and He cares so much about you and I that He sent His Son to do on the cross what we could not do for ourselves, which was to bring forgiveness for our transgression. When he said the soul that sins shall die in the beginning of the Bible, it meant that when you're in sin, if you have to pay for your sin, it means your death. But if you die in your sin, it means separation from God. And so his love is demonstrated in sending his son to say to the whole world, I love you no matter what you've gone through, no matter what you've done, and I want you to be with me where I am. I want you to be part of my kingdom forever and forever. And that's why Jesus said on that wide road, there will be many who will say, no, we're too busy. Sorry. Not interested. Don't want to make any sacrifices. I want to live my life my way. But for those who take that step, turn around, say yes to him. The road is narrow, it's harder, but it's much more rewarding because it gives you everlasting life in His presence rather than everlasting life separated from His presence because you're eternal and I'm eternal. So just the fact of the gospel being given to humanity means He loves us enough to die for us. Who else would do that for you or for me? Let's all stand together. Why don't you put your hand over your heart for just a moment? You know, the incredible reality at a moment like this is we all know where we are on this journey. <laughs> we know what group we're in, too. And yet there's a call, come follow me, come follow me. Not only to those who have stepped off the wide road, but those on the narrow road keep hearing him say, Barry, keep following me. Keep taking steps forward. If you've never taken a step towards Jesus, today could be your day. And so, Father, I pray for us as we open our hearts to you and we thank you that your yes is yes and your no is no. We thank you, Lord, that you're dealing with the motivations of our own hearts and that we need to be able to say, I can't save myself. I don't really know what's beyond eternal things. I don't know what happens after death. But your word gives clear instructions on all of that because you want us to know. You don't want us to live in ignorance. So, Father, speak to every heart today. Holy Spirit, speak deeply to the steps that all of us are taking, that those steps would be towards you, not away from you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your healing virtue. Thank you for the supernatural way that you move. Thank you for everyone that was baptized today. Thank you for the wonderful steps they've taken. And thank you, Lord, for the privilege of hearing your word today and being able to respond to it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen.